Hello out there in podcast world. This is Renew Gurus, your source for all things energy policy and politics in Missouri and beyond. I'm Executive Director James Owen coming to you live on tape from the palatial Renew Missouri studios in beautiful northern Columbia on the boards for the last time ever. Danielle Wilson. Danielle! Hi James, that was dramatic. Well, you've met me, right? Uh, yes. Well, you're you're. We've been teasing this for a while. You're going to be going to South Carolina, Charleston specifically, to go to law school, right? Correct. And you start law school. I mean, you've kind of been taking a law school class this summer, uh, and but you will be starting in full force in August. You're going to be a one L. I will be. As they call you. Terrifying. Uh, well, if you look at the people who've been able to do it, it's not that it's not that bad, really. When you put it in perspective, like you, like me, that's right. Thanks. Uh, so, are you excited about moving to the Palmetto State? I am. I'm excited about the beach and oh. all it has to offer. So, you're going to be doing your stuff in person. Do you know yet? Are you going to be doing this online? Um, How's that going to work? All of my classes are in person except for two, and those oh. will be online. Yeah. Okay. So that'll be interesting. It, yeah, it'll be a, a learning curve. For you lawyers, <laughs> yes, it will. For you lawyers out there trying to do the Socratic method by um, Zoom, will be interesting. Yes. But enough about you. <laughs> uh, we also have, as a special, special guest in person, socially distanced, sort of. I don't know. I haven't measured this table. Uh, Philip Frasica. Happy to be here. Yes, Philip is, is our Philip is our Kansas City Regional Director. I can't remember the last time I've had you on this podcast. Probably last year. Was it last year? Exactly. Yeah, because I think actually the last time I went to Kansas City for work was December. Don't nod your head. This is not on video. Yes, that was is that, correct. Was that the last time I was here? Okay. Um... <laughs> Sorry, I... Too many I, Zoom calls, my apologies. Too, yeah, that's okay. Uh, one of the things I hate about podcasts is when people, like, laugh too much. I, I just find Philip kind of funny to me. Um, but he's like the, 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 the brother I never wanted. Um, yeah, December, I think it was there. We were... I remember we were meeting with some utility folks, and we were working on... You know, we got a, we got a lot of things going on in Kansas City. Uh, you have a lot of things going on in Kansas City, not just in trying to manage that very large metropolitan area for Missouri, but we've also been doing some energy efficiency work in Kansas. Um, plus, there's all these other like kind of policy things you work on. You're kind of a lack of a, to, to pardon the pun, a utility player for us, right? Yes, yes. we're staying very busy on that side of the state and trying to do more in Kansas when we can. Yeah, I mean, like, to the point where I, I have been looking for finding, like, other people to work in Kansas City, because, like, right now we have two people in St. Louis. Uh, we have, I guess, well, we only got three people in Columbia now uh, with some part-time people that we have supplementing us here, so it's almost like this isn't even the headquarters anymore. I've got, <laughs> we've got people that are in Kansas City and St. Louis, and so we are able to spread out that work. I would, and folks... For those of you who don't live in Kansas City or St. Louis, and I know I hear about this from you, I would love to have people all over the state doing this work. I just don't ever get any money to do work in those parts of the state. Sorry. I'm in Springfield a lot. I'm in Joplin a lot. That's my neck of the woods. I'm from southwest Missouri, so 
Uh, I don't do that much right now because like no one's having meetings um, because I don't I don't really think I've even had meetings in like Southwest Missouri. I think I went to Joplin at the end of February uh, to meet with some folks at Liberty Utilities down there, and that was the last time I went to Joplin for work. Um, and so yeah, because it was Ash Wednesday because I couldn't eat any meat, so it was. Um, yeah, I think that's why I remember that. So, what were we talking about? Kansas City. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I kind of want to focus on, I mean, like, right now, um, we we talk about Evergy, right? Like, Evergy is the second largest utility in the state. Uh, they've got a lot of things going on in front of the Public Service Commission right now. Um, one of the things that I want to highlight is, because we're going to talk about Kansas City today, folks. That's why we got Philip here. I mean, Philip is here for other reasons, but uh, we wanted to kind of get an update on there. Evergy has got, um, I mean, one of the big things that you have worked on and that we have all worked on here is the pay-as-you-save yes. uh, tariff that can't, uh, that Evergy was ordered to do. Now, can you kind of give us an update on where they are, where Evergy is on that project? Uh, it's in development. I know they've been working with Ameren uh, as they are also developing a PACE program. That's right. Their program doesn't have as many of the restrictions that the Evergy program will have as right. that is being seen as a pilot. So I know they've been working very close with them as well as uh, pays experts from across the country, some of which we know, like Tammy Agard, uh, to get yep. some insight on how they should design and roll out the program. And the uh, current issues with COVID have not helped mm. that process. COVID has been a bit of a monkey wrench, hasn't it? Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I think this is this is this is public, so we can talk about this now. Yeah, you mentioned Ameren. Ameren was originally voluntarily going to do a pays program. Uh, it was going to start, I think, next year. And now, because Ameren has come in with an, a, a seeking an extension for their energy efficiency portfolio, MIA, as we call it, uh, they are going to now turn that not just into a pilot, but that is going to be a two-year full-blown program. Uh, that's going to be treated like any other service they provide. So Ameren is really moving forward with that. With Evergy, yeah, they were they had to spend a minimum ten million dollars, uh, capped at fifteen million to try this. We're trying to work with Evergy. We're trying to make sure that they comply with that order because they were ordered to do it along with uh, the other relief they received with their MIA application. I think that got approved and order was signed in December. Of 19, I think that's right. Yeah, I think that's right because I think the last time I was there, I was talking to some of the Evergy executives who were just didn't know what they were going to do with pays. Well, and they were originally required to have their plan and the end of March, and then the commission updated that to give them the end of the year. So that's also why we have less certainty on where it's at. With right. Evergy. Right. So that's a big thing. And then there's also this question it's not just COVID because, I mean, obviously, we, we've spent some podcasts and I've spent some. Uh, of our renews. As a matter of fact, we have a renews that went out last week that talks about how the PSC is dealing with the COVID issue. Uh, there's a workshop uh, that the PSC has commenced about like what the utility company should be doing to help their customers. We have filed uh, testimony, on, not testimony, comments on that. Uh, we worked with Energy Efficiency for All, something you're also involved with for us since we run yes. that coalition for Missouri. And we do a lot of it with the with the Midwest. Um, and we, we submitted comments on that. If you look at Renews from last week, because I know you're scrapbooking it, uh, you'll see our comments that we added to that. Um, 
And then also, but Evergy has a, uh, a filing in front of the commission right now. And I don't know how specific I want to get into this, but like they're basically asking for a, a accounting order that will allow them to favorably book some of the lost revenue they've, they've suffered because of the fact that, well, as an example, uh, like the Clay Como 4 plant has not really been in operation since the like end of March. Huge electric customer for them. So you're seeing a lot of lost revenues, especially from larger industrial or uh, you know business customers in general. I mean, not so much with residential uh, customers because you're probably seeing an increase in their usage and their consumption of power. Uh, and I don't think we have I don't think we've seen real specific numbers on that yet, but we know trends are going in that direction, but they are losing a lot of revenue as a result of like big factories not running, offices being closed, which by the way, fun fact about these offices being closed. I just read this the other day, Philip, and it has nothing to do with electricity, but there's a concern that when these offices start reopening, we're going to see a resurgence of Legionnaire's disease, <laughs> which I don't know if any of you know what Legionnaire's disease, but that's a, that's a, that's a illness that is kind of born in like stagnant water. And so if you're using water that hasn't been used, if you're drinking, if you're consuming water that hasn't been used in a while, there's an increase that like all that water has been sitting in pipes or not being used in your office, uh, that could end up making you sick too. And it's named after like the American Legion that had this huge um, convention where a bunch of them got sick and died from this disease. And that's why they call it Legionnaire's disease. I learned all this from a, from a better podcast than this one. <laughs> and to, to bring that point back to clean energy issues. Yes, Philip. <laughs> you can also have that arise from HVAC systems. Really? Yeah. Uh, and water. Well, do tell me more, Philip. And them. Yeah. Uh, so that could be a concern as well if they're not running their oh. systems as well. So that could collect in there and be a concern when they're running their AC again once it is occupied. So you're saying with HVAC systems that also have water, that those are not being operated at a regular basis, those can help contribute to Legionnaire's disease? Correct. Well, my goodness. Who knew? So enjoy going back to work. Um, <laughs> so, so, but anyway, so about... COVID. Yeah. So, um, Evergy's got this, uh, this proposal in front of the public service commission. We are engaged with that. Uh, we are, uh, we represent, we also represent the national housing trust, which is a, you know, DC based not-for-profit that we represent. Um, that's part of our advocacy. Uh, Andrew Linares is, uh, he's our lawyer in St. Louis. He represents them on these cases. Whereas, we also represent Renew Missouri on these cases too. Yes. So we're trying to figure out, because Evergy, we're still proceeding with this, we're trying to figure out exactly how we can help low-income customers uh, with some relief, you know, because right now, um, and, you, and you've been working on this a little bit too, and we can get into this. And look, uh, there have been voluntary moratoriums uh, that the utilities, the investor-owned utilities, have agreed to do. Um, they're not required to do it, uh, governor, I mean, some governors in some states have said you're going to do a utility moratorium on shutoffs and bill payments and bill and disconnections and that sort of thing. We did not have that in Missouri, uh, but the utilities did do that. But now those moratoriums are lifted. Yes. Right. And so now, I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example, and I won't name any names. And this is not Evergy, but this was a municipal utility in Southeast Missouri. We had, were contacted by a customer there that had a $1,900 
a rear inch. Now, I did the calculations on it, and I think she had probably been behind prior to this. And But the reality is there was nothing we could do to help this customer um, because, um, because, you know, there was no legal... Uh, there was nothing from the legislature. There's no executive order. There was nothing that said like there's going to be a moratorium on collection of this, or on you know how you pay this back. It just they didn't collect their this city, this municipality didn't collect bills for March through June. I think it was like March 24th to June 24th. That was like the three month window. I don't think you were involved with this question. I think Tim and I, Tim Opitz, a uh, Renew Guru podcast star. Who's not on this one? He, um, he, we were working on that, and we just couldn't find anything that was going to be of any use to this person who reached out to us. Which is, I mean, so her power was shut off, and she had kids living in the house, and she had this night, and she was able to pay fourteen hundred dollars the bill, but then was like still five hundred dollars short. So her power was still out until she found that money. That is a real problem. <laughs> Yes, there's some relief. LIHEAP funding has increased. Missouri yeah. received an extra $10 million from the federal government for LIHEAP. But if you don't qualify for that program, if you're not at 135% of the federal poverty level, you don't qualify, that can't help you. It's also only for heating right now. Right. Uh, and, or rather, uh, air conditioning right. for uh, heat. So if you um, had a winter bill carry over, right. that money can't help you. And also, I, I seem to recall in that haze of of the spring that March and April and May were relatively mild. Yeah. Uh, so there wasn't going to be like, there wasn't going to be significant issues with like having, because LIHEAP, I think we've talked about that on here. LIHEAP is this federal assistance that kind of goes to help people who are of a certain poverty level, uh, pay their bills. I mean, we see it as something that's really useful, really important. It's a band aid. It doesn't solve the overall problem. That's why our group advocates a lot of energy efficiency, especially for low-income programs, because that is the ultimate solution. Instead of just trying to, like, subsidize bills, you go to the heart of the problem. Yes. We do have a method to our madness here. But LIHEAP is helpful. But it's not It's not going to cover everything. Correct. So right? people are still left out of that or having issues. That's right. And so and I, I think that ultimately what we're going to try to figure out because Evergy uh, has this case. Uh, we thought we had it settled. It's not settled. Um, Spire, which is the uh, natural gas uh, it privately owned investor company that was the largest one in Missouri, which has got Kansas City service territories, mainly in St. Louis. It's also got pockets in and around the rest of the state. I know for a fact there's like pockets in like Greene County, if you're a Springfield listener. Um, they're trying to seek recovery for lost revenue during this period as well. And we're going to like try to see if we're going to be in, engaged and involved in that. Yes. I guess this is on my mind because I just got done talking about it all morning. But it is something that we are working on here. By the way, if you have that little donation envelope we sent you, the way we're going to get this work done is if you help contribute. And right now that $300 that you can take is an above-the-line contribution uh, deduction uh, under the CARES Act would go a long way to help us. Okay, add over. Um, so so, that, so that's what, I mean, and we didn't even mention with Evergy the, um, uh, the, the issue with their active shareholder. <laughs> the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room. I mean, we have, I mean, I know that there's a lot of focus, and I know we've talked about this before, 
I'm certain we've talked about this on this podcast that there is an active shareholder group that's taken a fairly you know they have a they have a share of, of stocks with Evergy that is allowing them to um, be able to to demand certain changes in management um, and change ways in how they how they manage their resources which this uh, activist shareholder group says is, the way it's being done right now is not maximizing the value of their shares, and so they want them to change that, and if they don't change it, they want them to be sold. So, And that is expected, to, the report is expected to be released next Friday, correct? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's the 31st. Boy, this month has gone quick, uh, because what I had been hearing, and I think what I've been telling people, <laughs> was there was supposed to be a bid on Evergy coming July 1st, but then... This they announced that they were like that Evergy and this activist shareholder group, Elliott Management Group is the name of the of the activist shareholders. They were going to come up with a report to recommend uh, how they were going to proceed. So then that kind of slowed down what was going to be the potential bid. Uh, there still might be a bid. We will have to see. I think we're going to see what that recommendation does, and then you know right now I know for a fact the Kansas Corporation Commission which is the Kansas uh, equivalent of the Missouri Public Service Commission, they have, uh, they have pretty well ordered a pretty extensive review of whatever that report's going to say and whether it's consistent with the, uh, with the terms of the approval for the uh, KCPNL uh, Westar merger that created Evergy a couple of years ago. Um, I think there's some concern that it might not be. The Missouri Public Service Commission has basically said, like, well, we saw what Kansas did, and we want to we'll, – we'll do that too. There are also some conditions that may be difficult to maintain after any changes, such as keeping offices in Kansas uh, for an extended period yeah. of time. Yeah. I mean, I know that one concern that has always been an issue with regulators in Kansas is whether or not there's going to be a physical presence in Topeka, which is where Westar was based out of. Um, and I think, you know, because Westar did cover such a big part of Kansas, I mean, it was like almost all of eastern Kansas that wasn't being covered either by um, KCPNL then or Liberty, which has a very small swath in southeast Kansas. So, yeah, so that's a big question. So there's a lot going on with Evergy. But. That doesn't even get into the fact that uh, the largest suburb in the Missouri side of Kansas City anyway, Independence, has its own municipal utility. And boy, they've had a heck of a time lately, haven't they? <laughs> yes, they have. <laughs> I mean, I, did, I actually just read about it yesterday. It was referenced, there was the FBI investigation. I don't know. I kind of, I'm kind of burying the lead on this, folks. But that, it got, like, I guess we have a pretty hot, St. Louis County executives race going on right now, and uh, the <laughs> the development company that built that I guess got the successful bid for a solar facility in Independence also got a successful low income project in St. Louis County, and then magically the current county executive got a big donation from their lobbyist hmm. right after that, which I guess the FBI is investigating, and the FBI. So let me like backtrack to this a little bit. The FBI has is doing an investigation right now on things going on with Independence Power and Light, right? Yes. Tell me a little bit about that. So they're looking at the deployment of their community solar uh, program that they have, which looked very ambitious and promising at the start, but uh, the real issue was the acquisition of the 
land and the golf course that it is sited upon. Where they're putting the solar rays. Correct. Right, okay. And that there were some dealings there that increased the cost for the city that otherwise could have been acquired for a much lower price. So that is leading to the investigation to formal, former city council members as well as the city's practices in awarding that project. Now, do they think, I mean, now my understanding is I think that what they're saying is these city council members, the allegation I think has been lodged in the press, they received donations, campaign donations, and that was tied to a directly to a vote. Um, yes. Yeah. So it's not like they're talking about like what you would consider to be like an old-fashioned bribe of like I mean how they used to do it in Kansas City where they just like leave a bag of money in your office. This is like we give you a donation, you take it, and then you vote this way is what his I think is being investigated. I don't even know it's really being alleged yet because there's no criminal complaint, there's no indictments or anything like that. We certainly don't want to say that that is the case. But it has been reported widely. It's been in the Kansas City Star. Um, I also know I'm on the um, – who's the group that sends out the emails? Indie Energy. Indie Energy. It's kind yes. of like a consumer watchdog group. They're very good emails, yes. by the way, in case – if you're interested in learning more about that utility, I would I would try to find them and, and subscribe to that. I read it every time it comes in because I think it's pretty well done. Um, so that's an issue. You never want the FBI talking to you. <laughs> Correct. And some of the the backlash from that was a, a loss of this council member seats on the city council. And we have new city council members. Yes. Right. Now, okay, so in Independence, they have seven members? Correct. Okay. So who are these new city council members? So the gentlemen that were replaced were Doherty and Van Camp. And the new gentlemen are... Are they like Prince and like Madonna? They only have one name or how does that work? Do they have like a full name? What's their names? Uh, Kurt Doherty and I believe Tom Van Camp. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for clarifying that. And they were replaced by Dan Hobart and Bryce Stewart. Yeah. Um, and they have been uh, serving for a short time <laughs> as that happened uh, back in June. Okay. So there was a municipal election in June. I think we all had... Election. I mean, Columbia had elections in June, um, so they were they. So those people that are being investigated, or we believe are being investigated, were still on city council. Were they were running again. Yes. Oh, uh, Van Camp <laughs> did not seek re-election. Oh, he did not seek re-election. Okay, probably not a bad idea. I mean, even if this is true, I mean, the fact that this is happening is probably just not. It's gonna. I mean, it's gonna get brought up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so so now we have these two new city council members. I mean, what would you say? I mean, okay, so all this kind of stems to, I mean, what we've been talking about was a solar project. I mean, this was, you said community solar. Now, that is a phrase that gets used in different ways by different utilities. Like when, like, example, I, I okay, I should probably have mentioned the good news from Evergy. And we just put this in Renews last week as well, that they are now at 76% of capacity for their for their solar subscription program. Yes. Uh, we have been a big f- proponent of that. We've been a big champion of that. We've tried to promote it as much as we can. We end up promoting Ameren's more because Ameren reaches out to us to uh, to seek our help to promote it. We've offered that to Evergy. We have not really gotten a response. That's neither good nor bad. It's just what we're saying. But we did. They are moving up, and they're 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 less than. Oh, me and Daniel talked about this, like how you quantify this. They have less than a quarter of the way to go. <laughs> it's always like confusing to explain that. 
they are less than a quarter way to go before they are fully subscribed to five megawatts of solar. That's great. I mean, that's a lot of power. That's actually more than what uh, Ameren has committed to, even though Ameren's already on a second level of theirs. They've already fully subscribed one megawatt. They're trying to get to a second megawatt. So certainly Evergy's plan is more ambitious, and it's just certainly taking more time. So by the way, if you're an Evergy customer, go check that out. 76%. With, with Independence. Missouri customer. Oh, you're a Missouri customer. Oh, for all of our Kansas listeners. The offer not valid in Kansas. I think, is that what they say like in some of these ads? Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's only for Missouri. So with the Independence Project, that when you say community solar there, was that something that people were going to be able to subscribe to? Yes, it's very similar. You'll subscribe to it. There is an opportunity for savings in this project. Yeah. That is also where some of the uh, concerns have come up because those savings were not realized. And due I see. to the project cost being higher I than see. it was supposed to be. Okay, okay. So, I mean, how would you describe uh, for people that are just kind of like passively listening? I mean, how is Independence doing as far as like renewable, like production and generate and all that? They could be doing better. Uh, they mm. made a commitment to be the greenest city in America through an ordinance. In Ooh, that's ambitious. <laughs> it was. Uh, then they had this community solar project rolled out, and then they had some of the issues come up. Um, also, they've had three different managers of the utility over two years. Uh, currently, they have the new manager, Jim Nail, who seems to be the Switzerland candidate in terms of issues at the city and elected officials, and he has been able to stay in the middle of this and not ruffle too many feathers, so he should be able to hopefully be there for a long time and right the ship. Uh, they also have contracted with a firm, uh, DKMT Consulting LLC, who is working on a uh, management plan for the city to get things back on track. Okay. I mean, but they do get, I mean, like, so they, I mean, they're like all these other utilities. They, you know, they buy stuff off of the Southwest Power Pool. Um, they do generate. I mean, yes. they do have contracts to generate power. Yes. I mean, I mean, you know, municipal utilities don't do a lot of that because it's expensive to do that yourself. I mean, so it's easier to, like, sign a contract, like a purchase power agreement or whatever to do that. I mean, they do rely on coal. They do have some natural gas. Yes. Um, but, you know, when you're on the western side of Missouri, you also get a lot of wind. Do they have a lot of wind over there? Uh, not in their mix right now, and that's what we would like to well, talk about. Well, what's up with that? <laughs> What's up with that? Why don't they have more wind? Uh, due to current contract obligations. Oh, uh, yeah. And that's another thing, folks. When you hear that, you know, that, like, City of Columbia, as an example, everyone thinks it's, like, super liberal city. It is compared to some other places. But, you know, they're like, why are they still buying coal? Well, it's because they entered into, like, 20-year contracts back in the early 2000s that they're still on. I mean, like, you're talking about from, like, 2002, 2003, you know, you, I mean, and the idea is you enter into these long term contracts because ultimately, if you do it more long term, that tends to re result in cheaper <clears throat> uh, prices. And so that's like the trade off you get. But then, you know, ultimately, one of the things that you've got to worry about with uh, utility, like, you know, resource planning, is that can change. I mean, like, something that was inexpensive back in the early 2000s might be more expensive now or it might be more expensive in relation to cheaper wind because wind is cheaper right now so but you can't break these contracts i mean there's like serious penalties to that there's litigation concerns about that so to engage in those kind of penalties is not cost effective yeah so 
Like, look, I mean, if you were to find a way to be able to compensate for that, it would be one thing, but you just can't. I mean, like, look, sorry. Sorry to rain. Sorry to, like, spoil everyone's parade here, but we still have to, like, outlive some of these, you know, multi-decade contracts we got. There are also some issues with coal delivery contracts with railways that are also yeah. there in addition to the plant contracts that some That's utilities right. are in. So they have to also see that or buy themselves out of it. That's right. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, because, I mean, one of the things that we always try to emphasize here at Renew Missouri is, you know, one of the advantages to renewable energy or energy efficiency is, you know, the transportation costs are low, operation and management costs are low, or lower compared to coal or nuclear or some of these other more traditional forms of power generation that we talk about. So, yeah, because, I mean, we don't have a lot of coal in Missouri. We've already stripped it all out. Uh, so it all comes from Wyoming, <laughs> which is, you know, a long way from here. <laughs> yes. You ever been to Wyoming, Philip? I have not. Pretty state. Pretty state. Lots of coal. Far away. Far away. I mean, well, and that's a lot of why we talk about economic <laughs> development and job opportunities. Yeah. If we transition away from that, we can create those jobs generating our own power in the state of Missouri. Here in Missouri. Yes. That's right. Because, I mean, we have, I mean, especially in the western part of the state, we have lots of wind. We have lots of solar penetration. I mean, one yes. of the problems we have, and I was, um, I forgot who I was talking to about this, but we do have, like, lots of really good wind in Missouri, but, like, we don't have any way to get it from where it, it, it blows, right? I mean, like, we don't have the transmission capacity right. to move it to where it needs to be. Um, I mean, we talk about grain belt a lot. That's not necessarily going to solve that problem, but I'm just saying I mean, transmission lines are very politically difficult um, because you are dealing with landowner rights and you're dealing with privacy concerns and you're dealing with all of that. And it's tough. Like, I yes. get it. I, I don't agree with it most of the time, but I mean, I get it. So, independence. Um, they want to be the greenest city in America. They're struggling with that a little bit right now. Yes. They're struggling with that because they uh, because they've had some challenges with. Well, I mean, it seems like they've got some challenges just with internal issues with management with, because they, they do have a new they do have new management, but they they've had they've had some turnover. Yes, there which doesn't lead to consistency. Um, and so, and then also you've got these concerns that maybe there's like political or kind of like more nefarious forces at play with how politics are done there. Yeah. I mean, with the recent issues around renewable energy there, primarily with how it was done, not with the underlying technology, uh, we've really been looking at energy efficiency as the solution. And that could range from things like pays. We've also looked at... Oh. Um, specifically low-income multifamily energy efficiency programs. Spire's been looking at doing a lot of co-delivery work with Ameren and Evergy across the state. So they also service independents. They do. So it okay. be a partnership right. there between independents and Spire to and deliver talk about, let's, let's back up a little bit. You talk about co-delivery. You're talking about, okay, with like certain energy efficiency programs, like if you want to do something to your house, you got to go to both your electric utility provider and your gas utility provider. If you're serviced by both utilities. If you're serviced by both. I mean, like, you know, like, like for example, right now, I live in Columbia. I am an Ameren gas customer, and I'm a Columbia Water and Light electric customer. I've never had any kind of energy efficiency improvements done for gas-related things in my house. It's all been electric, which has actually been, you know, really good. It's actually brought down my utility bill. That's great. Um, and value to my home, as I've learned. Um, 
<laughs> but like, so for some people, if you are needing to have, I mean, there are energy efficiency improvements you can make to your gas delivery. Yes. Uh, you would have to go to, like, let's say if you're in the city of Independence and you have to go to city of Independence and you got to go to Spire. Unhandy. Yes. Right? I mean, we could make that easier. That's what you're talking about with co-delivery. Yes. And really right. just okay. maximizing benefit if you're already in a space looking at evaluating the efficiency upgrades. Mm-hmm. If you maximize the rebates you can get, yeah. Spire has a range of efficiency rebates. So if right. you couple that with the electric rebates from your electric utility, you really increase your savings. More bang for your buck, as yes. they say. That's right. Well, okay. So, like... What I mean, you know, this probably goes without saying. I mean, but you know, what is what is the biggest challenge in trying to get that co-delivery done? Being a municipal utility and not having me yet. I was gonna say cooperation between the utility companies. Yeah, I mean really to get I was it, hoping that was gonna be a leading question, but Well for <laughs> for some more detail with Mia, uh oh, yeah, okay. cover savings from your efficiency program if you're an investor in utility. Municipal utilities can't participate and get that recovery. They're selling less electricity, less power, and they're yeah. paying for the efficiency rebates. Okay, let's back up on that a little bit. Okay, so just as a reminder, everybody, we've talked about MIA before. MIA is the Missouri Energy Efficiency Investment Act. It is a law that allows the privately owned utilities, like Evergy, like Ameren, and even though they don't participate in it, like Liberty, to be able to seek recovery on lost revenue as a result of their energy efficiency programs. They also get, you know, a kind of rate of return on the programs they're putting in. It's a lucrative, well, I should, I don't know. I mean, it is lucrative. It's like a really good deal for the utility companies. So they see an economic incentive from engaging in energy efficiency because they have a profit motive, because they have shareholders, because that's how they're set up. The city of Independence, on the other hand, is not a privately owned company. They do not respond to shareholders. They do respond to the public. They respond to city council, who are made up of elected officials. But it doesn't, like, they don't have the same profit motive that, um, like, Evergy has or Ameren has. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's just how it's set up. Correct. So, I mean, so I guess, and maybe you're not prepared to answer this question, because, I, but like, like, when you look at, like, how... Would something like that work for a municipal utility? So when we're talking about co-delivery and low-income specifically, mm-hmm. that is to do something altruistic and also fix a need of otherwise oh. underserved communities. So really, it would be just looking at that segment of the market, not doing a full-blown efficiency yeah. program like we have with other utilities. So you say they had to do this because they think it's good for the public. And also good for uh, energy burden data we've seen. In the city, and I mean, so it's, there's larger public policy considerations that other than just like you know, if you're selling less power, like let's say if you're an independence and you're a low income customer and you get energy efficiency improvements, um, yeah, I mean, you're good, like independence is going to sell less power, but guess what? I mean, like they don't, I mean, they don't necessarily have, to, I mean, they're not having, I mean, they don't have the same profit motives that you would by wanting to encourage selling that power otherwise. I mean, they are literally, I mean, the idea should be they're buying the power they need for the time that it's, you know, needed. I mean, that's like how the grid works. And so um, if you're talking about doing that for low income customers, you're doing that because one, yes, as we've talked about uh, the energy burden, which is to say the percentage of your uh, household budget that goes to a utility bill compared to your other expenses is really high in the Kansas City area. Yes. And it's really high if you're a minority, if you're African-American or you're Hispanic, 
there is a there it's a very high i mean we're, it is in the highest amount of energy burdens in the country for the Kansas City area so if you're talking about trying to open up possibilities for your low income uh, your constituents which is to say they should be spending that money that they're not spending on energy on i don't know medicine or food rent <laughs> or rent or transportation or anything like that cuz i mean they're not going to be spending it on Whatever it is they think people who are poor spend their money on, they're, they're going to be spending on other needed things. So the whole idea would be, Philip, for Sika, for New Missouri, that we would work with Independence Power, with Spire, to try to provide those um, the co-delivery of those energy efficiency programs, and that even though Spire can see, well, they don't they don't have a they don't there's no gas Mia, but they do get they do have energy efficiency programs that are budgeted, so that comes into their rate. That comes into the rate base. Correct. And so it's a little different of a motivation for them than it is the electric utilities. That's a whole other podcast we could do probably. But um, but independence would not be trying to operate on any kind of like recovery of revenue or that. But it would just be that they need to do it because it's a good thing to do for their citizens. Yes. And it could help with a lot of issues we're seeing, especially with COVID in terms of mm. economic concerns and eviction worries and not being able to pay rent on time if you lower that energy burden like in some cases it can be 30 percent of um, their income is being spent towards energy bills while you're looking at the highest income brackets in the same area and they'll spend say six percent of their income right 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 yeah so i mean there's a lot of reasons to get involved with this and wow i feel like this has been a whirlwind Um, what did we leave out about Kansas City? There's probably a lot because we covered everything about Evergy and Independence and what else is going on there? Well, ongoing um, energy issues at the city. They are yeah. currently going through their uh, climate protection plan process, update oh, process. Right. Uh, we're expecting to have a public comment period for that. Uh, they recently sent out an, a, a request for information from groups to give them insight on what that could look like, how much it would cost. And then they're going to be taking that into an RFP, which they'll be bidding out as well. Uh, okay. So that'll be a long process into early next year. Okay. So that's something we're watching. Yes. And, yeah, I mean, you're there. And so we're just kind of watching just, you know, I mean, one thing you mentioned, I'll, I'm going to tie this into a promotion thing. Um, you mentioned something about evictions and COVID um, on August 7th, next week. Friday, noon to one. Uh, we've promoted these before. We're doing another webinar on um, public health and energy efficiency and maximizing your health indoors. Uh, that's going to be, we, we will have the Eventbrite um, link that we're going to be sending out with this. And um, we are going to be teaming up with the Missouri Housing Workforce, uh, the Missouri Association of House uh, Work. work Workforce Housing Association. Workforce Housing Association, right. Jeff Smith's group. That's what I always call it. Um, we're te- they're co-sponsoring it with us, but we also just got word that uh, we think that Arch City Defenders is going to be helping us present that. So we're going to be talking about evictions. We're going to be talking about how those have been impacted by the COVID crisis. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really multifaceted. It's going to be geared towards housing advocates. Um, around the state, so if you are a uh, if you are a housing advocate around the state, uh, we hope you tune in. And um, we just want to thank you uh, for listening to our show, Philip. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. Of course, Danielle. Godspeed. <laughs>
Thanks, James. And good luck becoming a, a young lawyer. And as someone told me right before I went to law school, the world shall be your oyster with a law degree. In case that would need to be cleared up. <laughs> and now look at where it's gotten me, sitting here with the two of you recording a podcast that like five people listen to, uh, which is fine. I couldn't be imagining doing anything else better than, uh, than this. Um, so we just want to thank you for everything you've done. You've been with our group for a couple of years now. You've been our office manager since uh, November of last year. Uh, I think I had to officially hire you on my birthday because that's when I found out our other office manager was leaving in two weeks. So um, we appreciate your... Uh, we appreciate everything. So thanks. You're welcome. Yeah. So you won't be getting anything from Danielle from now on, but Chelsea uh, Stone, our new office manager, will be starting in September after she's had a little bit of an unpaid maternity leave. It's a kind of a new kink with that too, but uh, it's it's all getting worked out. We're still going to be running a uh, we're still going to be running our ship here in August, and it's going to be great. Um, yeah. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at Renew Mo. Um, follow us on Facebook, Instagram. If you like this podcast, uh, subscribe to it on any of your major platforms. Share this on your social media platforms. And, uh, you know, be sure to, uh, yeah, email it to people that you know if you think they might be interested in Kansas City issues. On behalf of Renew Missouri, this is James Owen signing off and saying Seacrest out.